and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. Every week we review a new streaming show or movie and we discuss some of the latest streaming news. This week we're going to review the Netflix documentary Naomi Osaka, which is about the tennis player Naomi Osaka. And before we get to that, I wanted to discuss some news about that that isn't purely about streaming, but I think streaming plays a big role in it, um, which is about how um, Viacom CBS has signed a $900 million deal with the creators of South Park, um, which will renew South Park through season 30 and also uh, result in 14 new movies for Paramount+. Plus. I think a lot of those are going to be South Park movies. I'm not 100% sure. It sounds like there could be new new IP as well. Um, I think a lot of people were just kind of baffled by this. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time I've even thought about the South Park or the South Park creators in a long time. So that was what was confusing to me about it. Like, It's like, wow, okay, I guess they're worth that. And... Also, I don't know if they've been active in movies lately, but what like what was the last movies they made? I I remember Basketball from like what twenty five years ago or something. But well, they made um, Team America, which oh right, is yeah, yeah. and and the original South Park movie, which is very good. Yes, that's true. There's not much else, but I it's still just. Did yeah, you say was... the words "It's Beloved"? Yeah. Which 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 one? For Team America. Team America is beloved, for sure. It's beloved. You know, what was I watching recently? Oh, no, it wasn't watching. Do you guys remember when Chrissy Teigen came under hot water for being a total bully? Yeah, Yeah. I think that's that's still happening. I never liked her, by the way. But um, Chrissy was going to be on the show, but not now. (laughs) That's fine. She's a bully. Uh, There can't be two bullies on the show. Uh, Just kidding. Um, So she her apology tweet or whatever said something about (laughs) i just want to be beloved that was like one of the lines from her apology and i just remember that sticking out in my head so much can you imagine (laughs) just being like all i want in this world is to be beloved yeah that's all i want and also richard i I don't even need those. I just need the beloved. The beloved. I would rather be the rich. I don't care if I'm yeah. famous or beloved. <laughs> just give me your money. <laughs> I could pay people to love me. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I feel like I, I came under scrutiny there both because I called Team America beloved and also because I pronounced it beloved, which is, I think, technically also correct, but a, a strange way to do it. And I don't defend it. No, I, I think that's fine to say the word beloved that way. I, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, okay. it's your choice. Yeah, it's an option. But, and I don't, I just didn't care about the Team America or the Viacom thing. So I thought I'd talk about something I care about. But you guys carry on. <laughs> Do you care about $900 million? Would you like to get $900 million to create streaming content? Yeah. Yeah. I want it. Daryl and I have been brainstorming some things we could executive produce based on Instagram memes. That's true. What was one of them, Daryl? Oh, it was like where millennials and boomers um, do like mundane tasks that the other is capable of. So like a millennial has to go like change the oil in a car 
and a boomer has to like set up a LinkedIn account. Wait, so if you guys are going to executive produce shows based on Instagram memes, presumably the maybe the originator of the meme will be no. involved and compensated. No, in some no, way. no, they don't need that. Oh. We don't need. Nope. We don't need that. Nope. That's not. You don't how have it. to. You actually don't have to credit memes. It's like one of those things. Like just like journalists don't actually have to credit their original source. It's just yeah. something we all bitch about. But like, there's no law, right? Like the yeah, FCC going to come around and be like, hey, oh, you got to No, like what? What's the meme creator going to do? Get the hell out so, of here. So, so what do you guys bring to the table in this deal? What? No, we uh, did. You we, not hear the title that I came up with for Paris Hilton's cooking show? We bring creative energy. We bring like kind of a chaotic organization style. Yeah, um, we can do it. They people, lots of people have ideas. We're the ones that can actually do it. We can't do it, but we can execute. Maybe find people who can do it, and then find other people who can give us money to give to those people. Leaders of men. I mean, there's right. a lot that we bring. To the table we're kind of an intermediary i guess in right the whole thing. yeah <laughs> middlemen make money as we're tossing these ideas out i would also suggest that um if you don't have 900 million dollars to sign people of you know south park caliber like we would go full-time on this podcast for nine million i'm gonna say that right now just nine million dollars we would absolutely do it right we would go for nine thousand Oh, come on. You guys are giving away all our negotiating power. Spotify's I mean, listening to this. come to the table, and then our attorney we'll will see. speak with you. Daniel X is listening to this. Is that his name? Dan- Eck? Daniel Eck. Daniel Eck Singular. is listening to this, and he's it's saying, one Eck. we can get them for $9,000. <laughs> Write the check. Now we have no negotiating power. Damn it. <laughs> well, this isn't going to be as funny to you guys, but because this is just a wandering lost podcast, it's only worth $9,000. I'm going to share it. Somewhere between 9000 and $9 million. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pick a number, any number. Um, so I, I, over the 4th of July weekend, I was hanging out at, with a couple of friends and they all have kids. So there were like a bunch of like two to one to zero year olds running around. And for some reason, I thought it was really funny that this little girl who speaks primarily in sign language, her parents were smart and like taught her sign language. So she like can communicate really well, even though she can't really speak. And I decided that she's my attorney. And lately, every time that I feel like I might need an attorney, which feels pretty often (laughs) frequent at this point in my life with everything that's going on. I always think like, oh, I'm going to call Willow ESQ and she's going to come in and sign language. So if we need a negotiator for that 9,000 or 9 million. I mean, yeah, more than. We just, we're going to say more than, so. Let me know because I could call Willow and um, somehow sign with her over the phone. This is great. Well, I think we set ourselves up for success. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, let's move on then. Yeah, uh, to the subject of our review. Came from, by the way. <laughs> I mean, listen, it was it was my fault for trying to force a discussion about <laughs> South have, Park, which none have, of us cares about. I have a fever too, to be like perfectly Aww. transparent. Uh-oh. Not well, so I'm just gonna keep doing my best over here. Okay, Naomi Osaka, um, <laughs> which is a three episode docu series on Netflix, although. Each episode is short enough, and there are few enough episodes that they really could have just released this as a single film, but they, they decided to do it episodic, which... I think I have a theory fine, about why I, I did that. Oh, okay, Me let's too. let's start with that. What's your theory? 
I think it would be too boring if they did it that way. It's it's a it's a slow, it's slow. burn. Oh, it's slow as hell. And it it requires. I think it's better broken up like that. I'm not saying I don't like it, and that there wasn't things that I didn't like about it, but it, it is real slow. And I think if I was like, if I saw an hour and a half as like the total play time, and I looked at and I was like half hour in, I would be like, nope, I'm out. I'm hitting the eject button. It's also button. three hours total, so it wouldn't be an hour and a half. I right. Know. It's more it's like it it's 40, 40, and 30. So, like, yeah. yeah, it's like less than two hours. Okay, yeah. well, it feels like three hours. And <laughs> I also think there's a mentality thing, too, where, like, people are more into docuseries right now the movies like there's something about like knowing there's a lot but that there's breaks is like where we're at as a society it's a limited series that's a lot of cachet in that limited so we want we want a lot but we also want our attention deficit issues to have you know a little leeway so i Mm -hmm. think that that is like the framing that that the streamers are taking the stance of right now yeah, yeah. That's the format we choose for our show as well about yeah. the millennials. Yeah, right. yeah that's people. how it would be a docu series. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of amazing if we just released four hour episodes where we review <laughs> four or five different things, or just one thing. I mean, we could do that. Um, it would be great. Jordan's mom would listen, and no one else. <laughs> yeah, my sister. We'd have to make better content selections. I don't think I could talk about this for four hours. Yeah. Um, so going into it, how, you know, obviously Naomi Osaka has been, been in the headlines, but were you interested in her, interested in tennis at all? I like tennis, actually. It's one of the few sports that I do enjoy watching on occasion. It's not like I follow it pretty, like, super diligently, but I find it entertaining as opposed to a lot of the other sports, which I don't find entertaining. Um... And I mean, I think part of it is that they really, it really requires pretty extreme athletic uh, capability and conditioning. Some like golf doesn't, right? I mean, that's wrong. That is absolutely that's wrong. wrong. I know. I knew you. I was going to get a golf protest. I said it just to, to golf. Raise you. Golfers are some of the greatest athletes. The hand-eye coordination. The Phil strength, Nicholson. The precision. Big fact. I'm guy. saying, look at who. They, look at the golfers today. <laughs> Okay. I don't. I don't want to get in this debate. I'm too. <laughs> I'm too unwell to get into this debate right now. But I understand what you're saying. And yeah. Daryl's also just trolling you. Well, yeah. But what if? What, what about if I just say baseball? Then can we all agree? Yes, those guys baseball. Don't Fuck those guys. There's no athleticism <laughs> whatsoever. Great, great. So yeah, I like tennis. It's fast. It's fun. Um, that was. And and I was curious about Naomi Osaka specifically as a person. I just like have you know she's been in the headlines a lot recently for her stance on the uh, interviews with press and like fully supported her views there because those interviews are dumb and suck and they don't do any. They're not. It's not like the public has a duty or a responsive not a responsibility. It's not like there's a re- requirement that the public have access. To these people right. who are paid a lot of money through private agreements to run around really fast, like uh, there's no there's no public duty there. So I don't tr- sports journalism is is stupid basically, except it, unless it's in service of like 
protecting the athletes involved is my stance um but i just think it should be optional sports like the yeah that part of it the only time i think it might not should be optional is when you are part of a team like a giant franchise right like and this could be the wrong stance but like if you're getting paid 10 million dollars by whatever the la lakers and the lakers want to put you in a promotion or they want you to do an interview like that's your employer right like if verizon media told me like hey we really want you to do a bunch of interviews to promote disrupt like that's their prerogative right like i whereas like tennis and all these individual sports it feels a little bit different it's like not like you have to go and bear your soul either just like be like yeah it was a good match whatever and get I, the hell i out guess of i it. i think there is an element of you know, that she's being compensated by the tournament. So I don't, I think it's fine for the tournament to, you know, dock her, potentially dock, like, whatever payment she's going to get for not doing this part of her job. But, like, it doesn't seem like it should be that big a deal in that sense. Like, that the level of, I don't think there's, like, a moral component. It's, like, if she doesn't want to do it, they should be like, great, don't do it. Um, You're, you know, because these are the rules, you're going to be docked $10,000 from your... Yeah, if it's understood that, like... This is part of your comp. Part of your compensation pays for you to do these junkets. Essentially, then if you do, if you opt not to do the junkets, then we remove part of your compensation. Same for like movie promotions or something like that, right? Like, I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. But um, I don't get the the sort of. St- I, I I don't know if it was mostly trolls or what, but like there was there was a part of the conversation on Twitter that was like these people have a responsibility to because it's like responsibility to to what to come on and say a bunch of fucking bullshit that everyone has said since the beginning of time that means absolutely nothing about like how do you feel about playing tennis well it's hard do you like when you win yes do you like when you lose no okay i mean great thanks just repeat it ad infinitum until we all die like that's wonderful um i don't want that nobody wants that also this and this we can get into it with this documentary but it just was again like i just don't fucking i can't take the idea of professional athletics I just, the whole thing sucks to me and I, that's a much okay. more fundamental discussion but well maybe or it's like a much more peripheral discussion it just depends on how you want to frame it but like i there's a lot to unpack with everything that you just said and with this documentary in general and with naomi osaka like she to just to start it i really love women's tennis i actually think it's one of the only like this is not very feminist of me but i think like of the when the sports where both men and women play like it's one of the few that like is really really i would prefer to watch women's tennis i'd also prefer to watch women's volleyball and i would prefer to watch women's golf for very specific reasons each but i love women's tennis i have my favorite players i like try to watch as much as i can naomi osaka has always been a huge mystery to me and like the whole talking to the press thing adds to that even more right mm-hmm. because she clearly wants to have a voice and to use a platform right like we saw that in the black lives matter movement right where she would she would wear the the masks with the names of um people who were murdered by the police and yet she doesn't want to do these interviews, which is like kind of like an already paid, already set up, scheduled opportunity to have a platform. But then I can understand her her point of view as well, which is that like she came onto the scene and like very, very suddenly became the world number one and, and like a true superstar, right? 
and the ability to focus the same way and just her position in tennis. She, she said in the documentary, like, I like to follow, like I, I'm good yeah. at chasing. It's really hard to be the leader, to be the one who's being chased. And so I can understand why she would say like, I have to focus. Like I have this pressure to remain number one, to defend my title. And then there's the third piece which is that she gets wrecked in those interviews. Like, and I say that pretty hyperbolically, I guess, because you might not notice um, the same way that maybe Daryl and Anthony and myself would that like she gets hit with very leading questions and she Uh takes the bait pretty much every time, right? Like, do you feel like you can navigate your challenges or do you sometimes feel overwhelmed? she's like, sometimes I feel like I can navigate my challenges. And then other times I feel really overwhelmed. Like she feeds the soundbite that was asked for directly back to the press, which may be another reason why she's like, I don't want to do this because I'm not, I don't want to focus my energy on beating the press. I want to focus my energy on beating my opponents in this tournament. Um, But I just got really granular. And what I wanted to do is set the stage, which is that I was excited to watch this documentary because one, I do love tennis. I think Naomi is a really interesting kind of character in that cast of characters on the, at the top of women's tennis. And because I don't feel like I've ever truly understood her at all. Like, I don't know exactly what it is she stands for. Like sometimes she seems really meek and shy and humble and then other times like I don't know if you guys follow her on Instagram but it's like this very confident like ego kind of thing and she clearly has like very strong views on like certain political issues which I appreciate and I don't know she's just very confusing to me she's there's a lot packed into one person and I don't really know what I'm gonna get from her ever and I thought oh this documentary will like shine a light on who she really is. And I feel more confused now having watched it than I did going into it. And that could be a byproduct of the fact that she's young and still figuring out what exactly it is that she wants to kind of like represent and what her public persona is. Um, But yeah, those are kind of my like high level thoughts. And that's all said with a lot of respect for Naomi. Like I don't have bad feelings towards her. I guess I'm just like, she's hard for me to figure out. Like I just want to know yeah you know what i mean like i think she's a fantastic tennis player and i don't think i've ever heard her say something where i was like oh that's bullshit what's wrong with you you know like i don't have any negative feelings toward her at all i just don't understand her i don't uh... do you guys feel that way am i making any sense no i thought she was totally like i thought that was the main my main takeaway from the and the main reason i kept watching it was that she's a pretty hard to read person like just very mysterious not mysterious though i mean because i feel like that's it's almost too much right because it's not like she's like i don't know i feel like at she's some, not in purposefully some ways, elusive right no, like no. it's not she's like not she's being, like i'll never show my card yeah in some in some ways i'm thinking it's like she's too like sort of simple and straightforward and it's confusing because you're you're expecting something more but in other ways yeah it's complex like she obviously has complex things going on but to me like it's tied up with the like i know that it says peripheral but it's honestly tied to the celebrity like it looks like someone who's like half made which is like my problem with all the professional sports i mean tennis is particularly bad at this because 
tennis has a reputation for like starting them super young and then keeping them in like extremely regimented training programs like throughout their entire lives right like not that's the just whole... regimented training but like the rules right like i don't know yeah. if you guys remember that patrick interview after the u.s uh 20 uh, u.s open 2018 where that was when naomi first came on the scene but serena williams got in trouble for coaching and then she broke her racket and then she called the ref a thief and she ultimately lost that um final match and Patrick, Serena Williams' coach, after the match said, I absolutely was coaching, but so is every other coach. And, like, the players need to be able to express their emotions. Like, it, it, tennis is one of those sports where, like, the women must wear skirts. Right. And you can't, like, you know, have any emotion, essentially, on the court or you lose points, and that's a rule infraction, and it's not really graded objectively in any way. I think Serena Williams was right when she said, like, men have done far worse. And, yeah, yeah. And women get in a lot of trouble for anything that they do. So it's not only, you're absolutely right, Daryl, that, like, it's not just that they start them young and that it's very regimented training, but it's also an environment where what they care about the most, they're not allowed to really express themselves in any way. It's this very, like, prim, proper, tightly constricted environment of like you are a robot like go out there play tennis show no emotion feel nothing like behave yourself and exit the court with waves and yeah. that's all you're allowed to do and like you said like i can see how that would kind of like half bake a human that that yeah. kind of system i mean there's also an an argument that um david foster wallace made in, in his essays about tennis which i you know, I don't follow enough professional sports and about, uh, to really say definitively whether or not I, I agree with this, but but I found it really convincing, which is just that in order to be the best in the world at any athletic pursuit, you have to spend so much time at that, and your life has to be so constricted and shaped around that, that fundamentally you're not going to be a well-balanced human being. Right. Um, and that's that's not to say that they're dumb or that what's been you know what they've done is necessarily a bad thing or, or that they're being exploited i mean i think some professional athletes certainly are but i don't think that's inherent to it but it, it's about this balance of what we expect from them where we want them to be like hyper articulate and tell these really interesting stories and let us into their like deepest thoughts but for many of them their life is about the tennis court or the basketball court or whatever and and so in some ways, it's ridiculous to to um, expect that much more of them, and that that there is, and then I think that speaks to that kind of half formed quality that that you were um, talking about, Daryl. And and again, I I, I want to phrase that in a way that's not suggesting any sort of again that that they're not smart or engaged in some ways, and and that um, and this is not in any way a sort of like oh stick to sports argument. I just think that that helps to explain the sort of that feeling that sometimes we get when an athlete or any kind of celebrity uh, gets behind the microphone, but especially an athlete, because I think they've spent so many hours at this right. one thing that they may have, you know, strong convictions, but but they're not necessarily that there is a, a slightly stunted quality to them when they address anything outside of their sport. Yeah, well, I think the equivalent, like when you talk about celebrities, there's child stars, right? And you always, and you do get that impression in a lot of 
people who are famous young and continue to be famous throughout is the same sort of effect of like your development stopped at one side or you didn't get and like you're saying it's not like it's like this is saying like they're lesser it's just saying like other people in we define as normal a certain set of like experiences and whatever that lead to like what we what you have as a final kind of adult personality right when it becomes fixed and the people who are famous and surrounded by fame their entire lives and or are very dedicated to a single pursuit their entire lives like professional athletes like don't have that same thing they just don't have the rounding that that we now define as normal feedback loops at all Yeah. yeah right or they're not even exposed to it, some of the things, let, let alone like feedback on them, right? So like, it's just something that happens. And to me, it reads as, and I don't think this is the intent of the documentary. I think this is more just me, but it just reads as tragic because you're like watching a thing and you're like, and it comes through, I think it is partly the intent of the do- documentary because you can see part of what they do and what she reiterates from time to time is like that there's that there's more than ten, there are more important things than tennis, but you also get the sense that she can't articulate what those are or why they should be more important. And like, mm. not that any of us can, but it just feels like there's a reaching and then there's like an inability to kind of like get there. And I, it's just, I, I don't like celebrity. I don't like, I don't like Uber fame in any capacity. I think it's stupid. And I think that there's a good fix for it, which is everybody can stop paying that much attention to it. But obviously that's not really, a workable fix right so i should maybe also stipulate that i think we can probably talk about anything we want in the um documentary without worrying too much about spoilers because this is all stuff that has happened in real life and if you've been following naomi osaka's story you will you'll be familiar with it although there were i'm also somebody who follows tennis but not super closely it's the i mean it is the one professional sport i care about at all but i still don't care that much about it mm-hmm. and there were specific matches where i didn't remember how how it had turned out so there was some suspense there but but overall i think it, it it's all fair game and and i say that partly to as a caveat because um in terms of the uh, i wanted to talk about sort of the arc of the whole series and it seems like the the narrative that they construct, um, and it basically fought, like goes from twenty nineteen mid twenty nineteen to mid twenty twenty, with some backstory from before then, is that it it is right begins kind of right at the point where she's like really hitting peak fame and um, has like had these like major victories and is really really struggling with that and and the first couple episodes are about the fact that she then after those victories loses and not and doesn't just lose but like loses you know to players and at levels that she should not be lo- losing yeah. at given um her success thus far and and how i think what the the, the documentary captures possibly better than anything i've seen is just the insane pressure that she's under and how brutal it feels to to lose those matches and um it like as much as i don't necessarily feel like i understand everything about her i i do feel like it really communicates just like what her emotional state must have been for a lot of 2019 and 2020 of just absolutely struggling with this insane pressure um and then the third episode is is about the 
kind of after the pandemic and the and the Black Lives Matter movement kind of having you know this um, really kind of not I don't want to say it's, it was you know restarting but but kind of moving back into the spotlight people kind of having these conversations about policing in America again and how um, Naomi Osaka like participating in that and really bringing that conversation into tennis um, happened at the same time that she also seemed to really rediscover her talent at tennis. Um, and, and I mean, the, the documentary doesn't have any, you know, standalone narrator. It's all like interview clips and things like that. So there's not somebody telling you exactly what the moral of the story is, but it definitely seems like it's, it's drawing a connection between the two of like, that at a certain point she kind of, by becoming more comfortable with these passions that she has outside of tennis that also like helped her rediscover herself yeah. as a tennis player as well. Yeah. It seemed like, yeah, when she found something to care about, it was like, then she could re-engage with the sport. Cause the, the way that they cut it to just made it feel like she seemed so numb and disconnected from everything prior to yeah. that, including the sport. It was like, I do this because I am a robot. Built she said that. She, she said like, when I'm playing tennis, like, I think like a robot yeah. and I clock in and clock out and clocking in is winning the match. Right. And, um, you know, it's interesting that, like you said, that, that she feels disengaged from tennis because my, well, I watched the first episode alone and then I watched the second episode with my girlfriend and like she was 10 minutes in and she was like, okay, this girl hates tennis and she is being abused. That's uh-huh. the way she put it. She's like, I, I feel like she's being yes. abused. She said, it's like when you watched Allie Reisman back in the day in gymnastics and you could tell that those girls who were actually being abused by Nasser, like their like souls were not in it, right? And um, that is like part of the conundrum of Naomi Osaka. I do believe that like she over time got more comfortable with the pressure that was on her in fact at one point like towards the end of the second episode she really put it eloquently which is this is like following a law she said i'm the vessel for a lot of people's hard work it's not just my hard work um mm-hmm. and and she at the very least she i it feels like she's on this path toward conceptualizing it and like being able to think it and and iterate it allows you to tackle it right with so many issues deal with and it, so it yeah. felt like she was clearly on that path and then i think also there was a combination in 2020 of two things which is the black lives matter movement which obviously touched her and she felt like hey again like this platform that i have like i'm going to use it and i think that gave her a lot of confidence that she has value outside of being an amazing tennis player that she can make a difference with things um i also think that her kind of love for tennis coming back in part has to do with the fact that she was playing tournaments with no crowds um i don't see her as with or without any context or history of how it's been with her for crowds i don't think that she's that kind of player i think she's very like she needs to be 100 percent in her own head period like exclamation point nothing else Whereas, like, there are other players who really feed off of the energy of a crowd. Even, like, Serena Williams, the crowd is always behind. There are players, like, I think there's a Greek male tennis player named Tsitsipas 
who the crowd hates and he loves it like he gets booed and he looks up at them like let's fucking go you know like he loves me so there are certain players that really feed off of that energy and then to add to that Naomi you know again that U.S. Open 2018 I think that was that shaped a lot of who she was as a world number one because she won that match fair and square but there was so much controversy with um what happened with Serena Williams and the umpire and the the point and the game that were awarded to Osaka and the fact that when she won she was booed and the only person that could stop that booing was Serena Williams saying like hey my crowd my audience don't boo this girl um I think that her resurgence in 2020 as a top player and as a like peak performer was also fed by the fact that yeah coronavirus sucks but like let's um, eliminate this element that has never really been in her favor either right so she has something outside of tennis to care about she can use tennis to promote it and the piece that was kind of a living embodiment of the pressure that she always feels was removed so the pressure's still there but it's not yelling at her, right? <laughs> like, um, so there were like right. a, some factors there that I think made a big difference for her. Yeah, I mean, I do think that one of the challenges of the documentary is I get the sense that they had less access in 2020, just for the obvious reason that there was a, probably a period of time where they were like, "Nope, you, we're not going to have a documentary no crew around right now because yeah. there's a pandemic," and. I think that was a period when a lot of this emotional and political change was happening. And so we get glimpses of it, but it it does feel a little bit opaque and like we're missing crucial moments. And and so for me, that like final transformation and the final episode was ultimately less satisfying than the rest of the documentary. It's still good. And I, I overall really recommend the documentary, but the I, I felt like for completely understandable reasons, I, I don't think they... Com- had a, com- a completely satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think overall it kind of... In general, I think this was one of the less heavy-handed. Like, they definitely had messages and stuff, but, like, they even with the soundtrack, like, and the the whole feel of it and the whole aesthetic approach then- to it was a kind of, like... Yeah, it was, like, we're watching this unfold and it's wandering and it's not going to be neat and tidy or whatever, and... It it did reflect. I think in that way, aesthetically, it kind of really reflected well her, or maybe yeah. maybe colored the impression of her more. But form like, and function were very tied closely together. It felt like in that, like yes. she is this very, whether she's saying something really powerful and insightful, or she's just like saying nothing. She is this very like even keel, even when she's playing. Like even her like being upset and yeah. emotional is like very light comparatively and it felt like the whole documentary was that way as well where it's just like there's no climax there's no like moment where you're like oh no. you know like it's just all very smooth and um calm and so i think it's hard to get a payoff in that i think it's like yeah lean back i like the or- the score actually a lot the orchestral score i thought it was great but um I felt like the aesthetic was a little bit. I didn't love it. It wasn't. It kind of went to my feeling of like, well, do I need to watch this continually, or can I just sort of like? And I, I did honestly watch a bunch of this in the background, just like on my headphones, 
while it was happening without really paying that close attention to the images because it didn't seem like they were all that important to what was going this is on. so nitpicky, but, but I really didn't like the clocks showing where she was. That felt like really out of place. Mm, you yeah, know, right. like a quick zoom, like a fast cut zoom into a, you know, Melbourne. It's like, ugh. okay, you could also just say you're at the Australian yeah. Open, right? Like, just show that and that gets the job done. Like, it just felt out of place for some reason. Yeah, it was sort of ostentatious in a way that the rest of the documentary is not. Yeah, it's an, it's very understated and that's more like intentional or cinematic or whatever. But yeah, that I think one thing that was really interesting about her that I didn't know previously that I thought was a... Like they definitely teased it out, but it's it, it still fascinates the hell out of me and I would like to even hear more about it. Is like the, I didn't realize that she was born in Japan but moved to to the u.s when she was three years old and then lived there continuously from that time but is considered like a japanese national tennis player that was a choice that she made i remember that being a yeah being a thing but it seems very i like it just adds to everything else about her. it seems like it fits in with everything else about her and her kind of like dissociation and all this other stuff but like because it's also like i mean I don't think it's a secret that Japan is very xenophobic and they have um, black immigrants, but they number very few. And they are, I would say, probably not. I don't want to I don't want to make broad statements about a country, but I don't think that they enjoy the social status that they obviously don't enjoy the social status that Japanese citizens do because no foreigners do. Right. That's relatively known and ensconced in law. But like. It must be weird. It must be very weird to be someone who is sort of like the first and like the lead, like leads the nation in this way. And is not only just like at now, but historically, like one of the first people, I think the first Asian uh, player to lead in this way, right? Or to in, to be in terms of number performance one. and record. Yeah. Yeah. And she lit the, the torch, right? At the Olympics. Like she is Japan's yeah. representative of athletics and was only there for a yeah. small time and to have that. And yeah. then to have, yeah, to have lived there very shortly and to know that there's this other current of like, there's definitely racism. I mean, there's racism, right. And xenophobia, uh, that are deep seated there against specifically like her heritage. Right. So to have that kind of like going, it's just all, it all adds up. You can see how easy it would be to just sort of like become completely unstuck and be like this person who has no real touch points with like anything that's going on, right? Right. And I, I wonder how much that says about her relationship with her parents, which is present, but I do Felt feel like there like was there's... a lot to unpack there. Like she said at one point. Yeah. Yeah. She said at one point, like, my parents always dreamed of having a kid who played tennis. And like that to me sets the stage for like, well, do you even like tennis you know like yeah i think the most you get from them really or the thing that maybe feels like it could be the most honest moment there's a birthday celebration and they like have both give speeches but the speeches are so nothing they're so like greeting card pablum like it, it really feels like you. right and like whatever you do but i was like this feels like you. it was intentionally designed for the fact that there are cameras there. And if there were no cameras there, I'm so curious about what they I would say. I felt that instead. really strongly. Or if they would say anything. 
Like it felt like yeah. there might not yeah, be a right. speech at all, right? Like if there weren't cameras there, so. Especially because it's clearly a low point for her because she actually asked her mom at that celebration, like, what if? Yeah, like, Art, do you think I accomplished enough? Like, that's a weird question to even have to ask your mom, right? But That's a weird question to ask anyone, any child to have to ask their mom. For a child who literally was number one in the world at something, <laughs> to have to ask your mom, like, holy shit. Um, yeah. And her response is, you know, this very polite, like, oh, it's fine. You're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her mother's responses in, the, in all of them seemed, like, muted in a way that was, like, oh, man, I've, there's there's got to be more here. And the, the documentary doesn't even begin to talk about it. Right? right. Well, I think we're almost out of time. So does anyone have a final shot? I mean, final thought they final want to share? Final shot. Like final a backhand. That's one of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know any of the slice. Final <laughs> slice of the pie. Um yeah, I think this is very, like I said, I think it's very zen. I don't think that you are going to walk away with from it saying, like, I really truly understand Naomi Osaka, and I, you know, had this big kind of epiphany about tennis and her and all. It's it's more, like, very lean back. Um, it's not a bad watch by any stretch, but it's not high octane, you know, what, what yeah. you can often get from sports documentaries. This isn't that. It's... It's very calm, um, but it has a calming effect as well watching it. Like I didn't, you yeah. know, I felt very zen watching it. So um, that that would be my two cents. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch, but it is, it's more like, yeah, it's more like an intellectual exercise or something almost. Like it's like go into it being like patient and like you want to, I mean like a true documentary, right? Like you're not watching it for a thrill ride, you're watching it as like, a slice of life sort of thing almost right it felt more like an old school documentary in that way in a lot of ways yeah um i agree that it's not fully satisfying or or emotionally engaging but i found it i definitely felt like i learned a lot about her and um overall definitely recommend it um if you've seen naomi osaka and you have thoughts on the limited series or on our review you can email us info at originalcontentpodcast.com you can also follow us on twitter at original content and it always helps us if you subscribe and leave us a positive review in apple Podcasts or any other podcast app daryl and jordan i will talk to you soon goodbye goodbye